So yeah, how how long have you been in Eugene? Oh, I've lived in Eugene for about since 2018, but I moved here from Chicago in 2016 to Oregon. So it's been a minute. What what brought you to Oregon? I get the same reaction to everybody asking the same question. So I grew up uh, near downtown Chicago, which you can imagine is loud. Yeah. Um, and I like quiet. I'm one of those weird um, extroverts who have uh, introvert tendencies. Hmm. Right. And so um, as I got older, I kept moving to tree line places in the city. Um, and the joke I say, I eventually ended up in the forest. And so I kind of like, I like the quiet, um, but I first moved to Lebanon, uh, which is about 14,000 people. Um, it's about 20 minutes west, no, east of Corvallis. Mm. And let's just say, you know, there were a limited of people of color. They all resided in my home, <laughs> essentially. So you contributed to the to the I did the <laughs> I did. Um, and then yeah, what brought you to Eugene? Well, I you know when I'm working for an agency here in town, I was commuting back and forth, and I realized that this Eugene was the right size mm. of a city mm. to be in. It wasn't too big. It was fine. I can actually get around not using Google Maps, you know, mm. um, and I really like it. It's quiet. Um, and there's a little bit more people of color as opposed to the, all the people who are living in my home <laughs> in Lebanon. So, well, that. I mean, this is this is a, such a stark change from Chicago to Eugene. Like, I mean, when you were living in Chicago, I mean, did you just always long for a place that was similar to Eugene and you just finally settled on it or? Yeah. I've always liked quiet, you know, I mean, just like you, I could work in a busy city. I worked downtown to Michigan Avenue, all the hustle and bustle, but I couldn't wait to just get home into quiet. quiet. And it's about separating your work-life balance type of thing. And so when I would go visit family in Milwaukee, which is about two hours away from the city, or even 45 minutes out the city, it was just quiet is what I enjoy because mm. it's, you know, when you're just surrounded by this go, 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 it's too much, you know, you eat, sleep, and that's it. So it took me a moment and I was looking for places to live, either Washington or Oregon, and Oregon called me first. And so came out here for a week and the rest is history. No, yeah. I mean, I definitely get that. Like, that's one of the reasons why I have yet to travel to many bigger cities, because I don't like all the the rickamole, as my mother would say. <laughs> yes, yes. I was in, in Portland about two weekends ago um, in the Pearl District, and I was like, I felt like a tourist. And I was like, this is so much. All these things are even, going on. Even in Portland, <laughs> wow. It yeah. was it was interesting. Um, but, but you know, it's it's one of those things that, that I can just drive up to Portland and get and whatever back. I need to get and come back. You know, kind of the same thing. And so I like, you know, where I live now, I live by the river. So I get that extra added, mm. you know, quiet, but still be near the wit to get my little yeah. entertainment if need be. So I like the little balance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me how you got involved with first of all, I want to just reiterate this to you. I was so happy to see your lovely face on the cover of <laughs> Weekly. Like when I saw, I mean, I had already like followed you or all um before this, and I was like this person looks familiar and i was like oh this is 
this is the person I just followed. And I was like, and just seeing like it was like everywhere because I mean the Eugene Weekly is like everywhere. everywhere. And so <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, this is like amazing to just see you. Like it was just like, I don't know, it's just always it's always good to see like another person of color anywhere, but especially on a publication. Um yeah, well, I get, yeah, what was that experience like? I, I, you know, this is actually the second cover I was on. I was oh. on last Pride issue. You're a cover that, girl. Apparently. <laughs> um, and last year it was, you know, heavily involved with, you know, the Black Lives Matter, the protests, you know, the murder of George Floyd. And I was asked to be on the cover with another community member. And I said, sure. And that was it. Um, and I knew I knew that was the case. I knew that was the plan. It was a very powerful image. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just, I was glad to be part of that experience. And so when the announcement came out that I was going to be the new executive director of Transponder, um, it happened so fast where Eugene Weekly called. Uh, they, they did an interview. I took some pictures um, for an inside piece. So, you know, a week later, week and a half later, I forgot all about it. And I'm like scrolling through reading and then it says, pick up your issue. And I see my face mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, bleepity bleep, <laughs> essentially, because <laughs> uh, I wasn't mentally prepared for that. And I'm surrounded by like every corner of it. So I didn't leave the house until the sun went down because it wasn't like a small image of me. It was like it my was, whole torso. And then it's just <laughs> exactly. like the lighting is. Yeah, yes, know. it was, it was great. It was a great picture. But yeah. I was just like, oh, and this is happening right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was uh, it was definitely an experience, and I I didn't think I was going to get a lot of attention because um, it was first thing in the morning. But by the time Pride the Pride event took place, uh, then that's when it was uh, it was a lot of busy, a lot of phone calls, a lot of text mm. messages, a lot of okay, why didn't you tell me? I was like, I didn't know either until that morning. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, but. That sounds good, though. You you deserve yes. that. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you, thank you. So, how did you get involved with Transponder? So a few years ago, uh, I believe it was Trans Day of Remembrance, um, and they were it was holding an event at the church. I can't think of the name offhand, off Chambers and Thirteenth. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let me see what's going on. You know, trying to be in like the trans community, and I've been very stealth for a good number of years. And so I'm going into very cis places I passed, there's no question. And I was like, I wanna be around other queer, other trans identified folks. And I feel like this was a good safe space to do so without necessarily like outing myself, you know? And I went there and I happened to sit right next to the, that time the um, former executive director um, and, we started having a conversation and then we exchanged numbers and I just felt like this was a good feel. And I was working in Corvallis at the time. And so any of my clients I was seeing was like, hey, you know, there's more resources for queer trans folks. Have you checked out this organization called Transponder? And so like I took that resource to get back to my agency and was like, here, we need to send people. I mean, it's 45 minutes versus two hours away sending mm-hmm. folks to Portland. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of started building a relationship in that aspect of it, you know, and I would go and speak to Oblio, who was the former executive director and, you know, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Talk about a few things, but not, not like be involved, but just kind of be like a community member to do some consult type of thing. 
And then I got really heavy involved in the organization last year, um, you know, with the, the, the protests that were going on across the world, mm. um, you know, with the murder of George Floyd. And that's when in about August, um, I decided to do a queer uh, BIPOC uh, monthly group and to try to connect with other folks who are in the community. Um, and it was, I mean, I got phone calls left and right just being part of it. Like it wasn't therapy. It was about building connections, like seeing someone who looks like me, you know, like I'm not in this alone by myself. And so, um, and also, you know, Eugene is, Oregon overall is very white. And then there's Eugene. And although Eugene is, has um, hipster moments and moments. welcoming, yes, moments, um, but also there's other POC folks out there mm. and we're I'll come all in shapes and sizes. And it was a great platform to use. So that's where I kind of got really, really involved. Then stock, stock talks started happening about, hey, I think we need to get a executive director, a new, you know, let's change roles, let's do this. And I put my hat in the ring and the rest is history. I want to I want to read from the article because I, I think there are some great quotes. I mean, you you mentioned like, you know, how typically people are like, hey, just go to Portland to, you know, get these resources but kind of what you're wanting to do with transponder is have these resources be here um i guess what are what are some of the ways that you're you're thinking of doing that so one of the biggest thing is expanding the community partnerships um, you know, we currently partner with HIV Alliance and it's a great partnership and we're able to bring that, that, you know, that queer trans, you know, into the medical, you know, working yeah. with folks about um, STI awareness, safe, you know, safe sex and prevention, things of that nature. So it's a great way to kind of fuse those agencies together. But this is also a local agency. And so one of the things that I'm hoping to do is to reach down into those rural areas, you know, Central Oregon, mm-hmm. because, you know, queer folks are everywhere. Trans mm. folks are everywhere. They may not be in abundance in certain areas, but they definitely are present. And mm. so going down up and down the I-5 corridor is kind of like, how do we build those community partnerships? So whether it is, you know, working with the folks in the Q Center in Portland, um, you know, working with some folks, you know, let's say um, down south or even Roseburg or, you know, Cottage Grove, you know, building those connections and saying, we can be a resource um, for you. Let it be known. Um, you know, I think of, even though I grew up in a huge city, I had all the access in the world um, and there was no question. But ironically, I began my transition when I moved here mm. to Oregon. Mm. And I was just, wow, just amazed by, I have to do what now? <laughs> like I have to call someone and do this and travel two hours away to see a doctor who didn't, who apparently only one doctor understood what trans health meant. And it, it was just like, this is a problem. You know, a, a state has three, four million people, the entire state, but you have two doctors seeing all yeah. the, the trans folks. And yeah. so it's that uh, disparities that we see within our community. And for me, you know, being in my position, saying who is willing to listen, who's willing to have that conversation with me to expand that. And I don't want you to say, check off a box and say, I'm woke. No, no, no. We want you to follow through and continue. <laughs> don't let it say, oh, I, I did this test. It's over now. No, no, no. It needs to continue. So this, yeah, this is one of the quotes I, I want to read from. Um, 
you said so you said this is like at the end you said for me being at the at the helm of a predominantly white organization is important for folks to understand that people of color trans people of color we all have voices if you want to work in a building and building a safe space for folks to be in your space then follow through with your statements when i read that i said that's all that needs to be said that's it that's it that's it's true it's so true i mean I love working with all types of people, you know, and for me as a person of color, I feel like it just comes innately to be in spaces and talk to people and not instantly place judgment, especially as a professional, we need to be able to follow what, what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known organizations have been around for 30 years and now they're looking at their forms, their just intake now. forms. Mm. You know, and it's like it's upsetting. I've been in situations where as a clinical professional, people who are you know older than me are quite ignorant and queer and trans issues. And I'm just like, well, how can you provide therapeutic information, you know, without having some background to follow through? And there's no, there's this talk about cultural competence, you know, that they, that we need to, we do this, this course for an hour, we get a certificate and then say, there you go. I know all the things you don't know all the things, you know, it's about constantly being informed. And so it's upsetting to see that certain agencies ask, reach out for resources and there is no follow through. And those folks should take accountability for their actions. And, and, and that's, it's not placing blame or anyone, but the truth of the matter is don't ask for help and there's no follow through or you do it just so you can check off your box. And still nothing has been implemented. And so, you know, it's just t- telling those folks that they need to be honest with what, they, what they're doing, especially if they're going to reach out to transponders for, tra- for, for, for training, yeah. because we take our work very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. What? So you said so you said you you transitioned when you got to Oregon. Was it just easier or like what what about that move made it made you want to transition when you got here? Well, I think most trans folks, and I can't speak for all trans folks, um, but this is kind of my experience, that we've been transitioning our whole lives. Mm. Um, and transitioning is, is, you know, whether you choose to have a medical transition or not. Um, but we go through this evolution. Humans naturally go through this evolution. And it was for me a wake-up call to realize that something was off with me. I had all the other things, right? Um, had a family, had a career, but that internal struggle was real. And, you know, we put on these hats, every different role we have, and whether it is, you know, a hat that you have with your friends, a hat that you hang out with your, with your family, a hat that with your partner, we all have these different entities. But at the end of the day, sometimes your internal struggles just breaks through. Mm-hmm. And it, I took a moment and I realized I am not 100%. And this one piece was missing. And once I began my medical transition, it opened up a light that was apparently really dim inside. Mm. It, sh- it was bright on the outside, but it was dim on the inside. And so I'm glad that I was in this quiet space, you mm. know, not with all the noise and made me more grateful of being privileged. And as a person of color, privilege is a hard thing to say. Like I had access, I had means, I didn't have to go through so many hoops just to get an appointment, you know, I had insurance and all those things just opened up my eyes to, wow, if someone who didn't have my privilege, who lived in this state, probably won't ever be able to transition because they don't even know where to go. Mm. 
who to talk to. So it just really opened up a lot of, uh, in me to continue to just push that work and push that privilege out into the world. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about being a father? Mm-hmm. I don't, so I don't know any queer fathers. Like you're the first per, like queer really? person. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, yeah. What <laughs> is that? Just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. What yes. is that like? Uh, it was, it is, um, the best decision I ever made in my life. Um, yes, they give me great hair. Yes, I want to, you know, if I swiffle God, child, if you, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Uh, but they truly um, are a blessing. Um, and, and they are the reason, you know, I don't think I really had a purpose until they came. Mm. And then they became my purpose. So everything I do, I truly do for them. Um, it's okay to be selfish sometimes. And I do have my selfish moments, but that clearly went away when my children were born. And I think that um, it's just a blessing, you know, it's a huge blessing to have. And not to mention, I'm raising Black boys. Mm. And so it's like added piece to, to it, you know. How are you going to address like, you know, issues when they, like, when, when, when they come up about like masculinity and things like that, like when they start, you know, going to school and you know all of that how are you going like how do you think you're or I guess have you already been addressing those things oh yes so both of my kids are are school-age children and um you know when we first moved here like I said that the there were limited uh, representation of, of POC folks and coming from a big city beforehand they were in abundance and you know my family um is the rainbow coalition. So they're all the shades, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, no question, but coming here was like, Oh, um, I'm the only one in my classroom or I'm mm. the only one in the entire school building, mm. um, type of thing. And that was hard living in Lebanon because it's a whole separate mentality. Unfortunately, from our experience, that's what that was. And we moved there during the time of the Trump era. Um, you know, it was like February of 2016 moving there. And so, it was heavy, all of it. I'm a runner. I never ran with my ID until I moved to Lebanon. Mm. And that says a lot because it's like, my, I had this shift my very existence and that turn had to shift the existence of my children mm. and how do they navigate all of that? Um, so we decided to do like, you know, a lot of, you know, positive affirmations. Um, like I love my black skin. I love my melanin. Mm. I love this. I love that. I love my culture. Um, and with that, I also show love and affection. Mm. You know, we're programmed as men, cis men and queer men, in some cases, not to show affection. Like it's some type of form of weakness. I love the hell out of my boys. And so I make sure like you, you know that there's love. And even though they're siblings and they go at it, they truly love each other. And so it's like, I want them to, to welcome that masculinity. I want them to welcome that femininity. I want them to be themselves and not feel the world is going to judge them because they actually cry at the notebook or cry at the lion king or upset because something is off we all have emotions and therefore we should be able to let them out and when we don't that causes like you know generational trauma back to back to back and so i am i'm trying i'm not perfect but i'm trying to try to reduce that this cycle of toxic masculinity that in everyday culture seems to be present yeah um i think that sounds so so great um 
What advice would you give to queer children, queer and trans children? Oh, I got chills because uh, when I I came out at 13 um, Mm -hmm. and I I remember it very, very clearly. And at that time, the only representation that I knew of queer identity was what what, I don't want to. What time period was you was this? Was this uh, during Ellen? Um, So I was. Yeah. So like the 90s. Yes. And so. I age myself, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I didn't want. I didn't want. Yeah, I, I didn't know if you want. Yeah, I just wanted. To oh know no, I'm myself. fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so when the, the Ellen show was on, it was the I think the only really thing I kind of related to. And I remember, um, you know, she coming out and a cover of Time magazine. And I remember every episode when she came out to her parents, I came out to my mom. You know, when she came out to her friends, I came out to my friends. Type of thing because it was like I'm. I, it's like it's like mirroring behavior and trying mm-hmm. to figure out is the right way mm-hmm. you know some of those situations then turn out as positive and I kind of went back in the closet um and then came out again at 16 and at that point you couldn't tell me anything it is it is what it is and so I started to build my chosen family and people I was connected to and and realizing within the queer community that there are these hierarchies um within it and so all of it was making it was just like just when I went to college I was like oh I need a I need a whole encyclopedia I'm just being queer what does that mean and for me the advice I can probably give any queer child is to it's going to be okay regardless if you have the most supportive parents um the most uh, supportive friends or none of the above it is going to be okay and I think that if someone told me that it was going to be okay. I feel like maybe I would have went left instead of right, but I had a lot of bumps um, that I had to go through and not really having a lot of support because either those people around me didn't understand who I was, hell, I was trying to understand who I was. And so it's a heavy burden to try to put that on someone. And there's no, there's really no toolbox that we can use as queer folks because everyone's existence and experience is different. We can only take bits and pieces and see if it's relatable yeah you know and that's that's the truth and you know i i just say if you know any queer queer children questioning at all hug them tell them that they matter because you know our suicide rates are extremely high you know suicide is number one in the united states and it gets even higher for queer and trans folks and not to mention poc folks so it's like the numbers are high and and i think that i put it in this way do you want to be loved you want to be appreciated just for being yourself the same thing goes for queer folks you know we just want to be like people else want to be and so if people can switch that knob instead of pointing fingers placing judgment and say do you want to be loved because i want to be loved i want to be appreciated i appreciate you just for being so why can't i get the same and it should be with children because children go again that generational trauma i've known many people who refuse to come out because of their self-hatred, because of mm. that been placed on them, mm. because of their queer identity. And it's a shame. It really is. And so we need to stop the stigma around queerness, stop the stigma around mental health, you know, all those things. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's all amazing. And <laughs> yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with everything. Um, 
yeah thank thank you so much for coming on and sharing knowledge talking a little bit about transponder and sharing about your life um how can folks follow you well they can follow me either if they want to reach me directly through transponder uh, my email address is kyle at transponder dot uh, community um on my insta is the official kyle underscore harlan um, you know, you can Google me, Kyle Rodriguez Hudson. You can find some ways to get a get a hold of me one way or another. But you know, I really want folks to they really want to know what's going on with Transponder. You know, donate, um, go to our website. We provide support, resources, and education to our trans and gender diverse folks and our allies. And so it's important for folks to know if they want information, reach out. We're more than welcome to, to help out. Um, and yeah, once again, thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>